The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. You can support the show by clicking on the donate button on the website or in the show notes. This is Ibarion X, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to the 10th season of The Candid Frame. We have a lot of great conversations scheduled for you in the coming months. So whether you've been with us for 10 years or 10 weeks, I guarantee you that you're going to be both entertained and inspired by many of the people that we'll be sitting down with this year. To begin this season, I thought I'd reconnect with an old friend of the show, Bruce Smith, a fashion and glamour photographer who I've interviewed twice before. Since the last time we've talked, he's moved from England to France, which is now his home base, both for his fashion and beauty photography, as well as his photographic workshops. But what spurred this conversation was a new book that he's working on, which he titled 130K. Now, you've no doubt heard the term, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, for this book, he edited down some of his best work over decades into a select of 130 photographs, hence the 130K. But what interested me about this book was the editing process. We touched on this before on the show, but I was curious as to how does a photographer like Bruce, who's been shooting for decades and has so many amazing photographs, edit his work down to a select few? I mean, I have a hard enough time editing down a vacation, much less work produced over four decades, but that's just what he did. And hopefully, our conversation will provide you some insight into your own editing process, regardless of how long you've been shooting. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and thanks for joining me for Season 10 of The Candid Frame. Well, Bruce, welcome again to The Candid Frame, man. It's been too long since I've, I've talked to you. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> Where have we been and what have we been doing since oh, then? Oh, God, yeah. It's we, a couple we, of years ago, isn't it? Yeah, it's been been a long time. Um, you, you were just telling me that you're living in uh, France now. What, what? Yes, yeah. I moved here last March because I mean, life was not bad, but it was just didn't seem to be going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So you sent me um, a link to your, your latest uh, book project. And yes. um, it's it's... There's some images there that I'm very, very familiar with. There are other ones that are really new to me. Yes. Um, tell me about the inspiration for, for this book. What what propelled you to, to put together these images? If I put my mind to it sort of seriously, I think it's, it's a, a combination of we go through um, the process of not doubting our work, you know, or doubting what we're doing, or perhaps we, perhaps we do, and perhaps that's exactly what it is, because you get to certain points when you... Uh, when your mindset changes, you know, as you're getting older, you, your priorities become very, very different and your life you know, expect, expectations become quite different and what you actually want to do becomes quite different. Um, but you actually look, we all have our, our lives are a process, you know, a process of progress from A to, to Z. 
and you get to certain points in that process when you start wondering, you know, are you doing the right things? Are you, you know, is what you're doing the right thing for you? And are you achieving what you wanted to achieve with this? And is it all about putting your feelings and your emotions that you actually have inside into your pictures? And is that the, is that the end of it? <laughs> you know, so I've, I've been going through this process of, of looking at myself and looking at my work and trying to decide and trying to justify the point of it all, you know, mm-hmm. What is the point of it all? Why am I doing this? Because to do this, you actually have to make sacrifices in other areas, you know, combination of things on, 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 on these. Your financial situation can be, can be affected by it, you know. Um, uh, your personal relationships can be affected by it. Um, and the thing that happens as you're growing, growing with this is you become very, very dedicated to what you're actually doing. And actually these other things, you pass them by, you know. I don't really care that much about money, you know. I do care about I care about being able to buy some tobacco and, and perhaps a bottle of wine you know, and some food to eat, but I'm not that interested in buying things, you know. I'm not that interested in owning houses and living in places like Mar- Marbella or Los Angeles or New York, you know. Um, um, and, uh, but the other part of it, the aspects of the personal side of things, I suppose it's an age thing. You get to a certain point in time and you start questioning things. You start making, wondering about these things. So anyway, I went through the process of going through pictures and trying to see into my pictures and look deeper into my pictures to see if the value of what I've actually been doing is actually worth not having these other things in your life at this particular moment in time. That's really interesting. I mean, I think one of the things that, that all of us do at some point is try to figure out whether or not we're any good. And that's one of the impetuses for taking a, look, <laughs> yeah, taking a look at the work, but you're, you're taking it from yeah. a really interesting perspective. You're looking at a, at a whole life, yes. you know, and all the choices that you've made, all the sacrifices that you've made, all the things mm. you've given up and looking at your work through the filter of, uh, of, was it all worth it? Wow. Yes. Um, did, that must've made going through these photographs particularly, uh, challenging. No, because I think each picture has, each picture carries something. You know, I mean, if, if anybody asks me to look at a picture, I, you've probably, you've heard it you know, yourself. You show me a picture and I can tell you a whole story about that picture. Yeah. You know, um, the circumstances, the, the person, the relationship with the person, the, you know, the befores, the afters, the disasters, the stresses, the hassles, the problems, the joys, the, the excitement about getting something in a picture and stuff. It's all, and it's every single picture, you know, and, and every picture deserves that. And so the process of going through and look at them, they, um, but they're all a small part of life, you know, but I mean, they add them all together. And as I'm saying, it's 130,000 words, you know, or 130,000 expressions or 130,000 meanings or 130,000 feelings, you know, um, because for every single picture, there's 130 in that book. There's a lot of things about them, you know. When you started looking through the pictures, because I'm, I'm just trying to kind of grasp the kind of mm. perspective you were bringing to it. I mean, normally yeah. I look at my photographs and I'm going going through this process right now of trying to sort of edit down a large body of work into a select, mm. sort of select few. And I think part of the way that I'm thinking about it is how does mm. this picture compare with another one? And I'm looking at it completely in terms of sort of aesthetics. And I see some mm. pictures that I go, yeah, this is similar to that one. This one, I did it a little better. Mm. But, you know, when you're putting together this body of work and you're really tying it into your life, 
Mm-hmm. How do you look at them differently than mm-hmm. than just looking at them as just a photograph? I mean, you just spoke to that yeah. a little bit, but I, I kind of mm-hmm. want to go a little sort of deeper with that, especially when it comes time to put all these putting all these images together. I think you go through the process as a, a combination of things, just like when you're editing your pictures. I mean, I don't know what process you use for editing. You have to edit down your pictures. My picture is more or less, there's nine-tenths of the picture already in the whole set of images from that particular shot. You know, if you go out, if you go and spend a, a few days in a city doing your your street portraiture or street photography and stuff, you know, um, uh, you've got a lot of variety to be looking at. And maybe I don't know how often you shoot like 10 different variations or frames on that particular subject matter or that particular scene, you know. But there's so much of the picture that I've actually taken has been pre-set up before you even take it. Not preconceived, but the the formula, the sort mm-hmm. of nine pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, and the last piece is the stuff that you that you put into it when you're actually shooting. That's the bit that I'm driven by. You know, when you, you when you see me shooting, that's the bit that I'm putting into it. And it's quite funny because there's a guy called Jake. He's an American photographer who is one of the Bowens guys. Because um, I was a part of that sort of team with Bowens team educators and what have you. And I met this guy, I think Jake or Zake, whatever his name is, but he's mixing colors with lighting on pictures and a lot of Photoshop stuff. But he put a comment on one of his, one of his pages about a post the show about the, you know, watching me actually working. And that's what it's all about for me. That, that 10% stuff when I'm actually taking the picture. So when I'm going through the pictures and looking at them, I'm looking for the picture that actually that fulfills that, that last 10%. You know, has it got all those things in it? Has it got the line in it? You know, are, the, are the hands and the fingers in the right place? Is the expression right? Is the body line right? Have I got that sequence of, of uh, the Fibonacci sequence of, yeah. in the composition on it? Just draw the eye in, both with the physical eye and also with the emotional eye. And that's what I'm looking for when I'm making the decision about making the final choice for the picture that I've actually shot, but from maybe 200 frames of the same picture, but with very slight variations on it. So when I'm looking for pictures for the book like this, I'm looking for the pictures that are the nine on 10, mm-hmm. you know, as in the, in, in the editing process, I go through everything above five, you know, that's my first edit. So that's every, all the pictures are out of the, the, however many I take, let's say it's 100 pictures. So there's 25% of them will generally be in that five level, five out of 10. The next level will be the sevens on 10. And the next one will be the nines on 10. And I'm looking for the 10 on 10, you know. So I'm trying to, and I tried to put this book together from not just the 10 on 10s of the actual pictures within every single shoot or every outfit shot that mm-hmm. I shot, but I'm actually looking for the 10 on 10 from all of the shots. So if you imagine I've done, I've done a thousand shoots, you know, I, I want to have 250 pictures in a book. Do you know what I mean? I want to no, find the, that 25% or that, well, 10%, I want to find enough pictures to make a body of work that actually is to reflect all of the things that I wanted in that, in that last 10% of input in the actual shoot itself. And I've actually been through it, and I've been through it, and I've actually, since I've done that edit that you've got, I've actually taken out another 25% of them <laughs> to look for newer stuff to go in to replace them with. So it's not completely finished yet. Walk me through what your process is in terms of being able to filter these down. Are you at any point making prints, uh, small and no. large? So you're doing all this on the computer using Lightroom yeah. or Photoshop? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a mixture of Lightroom and Bridge. 
Okay. And then Photoshop to do any sort of bits of post work on them. I, if I do prints, I'd be, I'd be here forever and it would cost me arms and legs, you know. <laughs> um, and I don't need to actually do a print of it to have a look at it. You know, I've, got a, I've got a big enough monitor to, have a, to be able to see them bigger than they're going to be in the book. And actually, I'm not really, I mean, uh, uh, quality aspects. Uh, quality is also something that, is, as in, when I say quality, I'm talking quality of, you know, definition and sharpness and, and you know, histograms and stuff, and dynamic range. I don't, I don't work in those sort of boundaries. I work in, has the picture got the content, you know? Um, and sometimes a picture might, I might have shot it at 3,200 ISO, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be grainy or it's going to be, you know, not necessarily the best as far as quality is concerned, but it's going to be, it's got the feelings and the sense and stuff that I actually want in the picture in it. I'll tell you a little story about this. And this is, a, I'm in my friend's house and I'm walking up the stairs of his house and um, on the wall were three pictures of ballerinas. You may have this already on a recording from before. I don't know, but it's a, it's a very significant point in the process of finding a picture that you put in something like a book like this. And there were these three ballerina pictures, just very different classical poses of ballet ballet dancers, but in very, very, in sweats, not in full ballet gear. Mm-hmm. Um, also against the colorama background, which was ripped and stuff. And they weren't particularly nicely lit. The prints weren't particularly good as far as quality is concerned, as far as a good black and good white and good tones in the middle and stuff. And the background was a bit, you know, was, you know, where the back, you know, the back cloth's been back, um, we call it color armor, but, you know, the paper backdrops. Right. They get wrinkles and stuff in them and things. So all, all of that stuff was, was, was apparent in these pictures. But there was something absolutely magical about the essence in the pictures. <laughs> and every time I used to go to his house, I used to go and stand and look at them and think, I wish I could take pictures like that. And that's what it is that I'm actually looking for, the pictures that have got that stuff in them that will make you stop and look at it. I was talking to Alex about this last night, about this sort of, um, you know, the input and the energy that you're putting into a picture when you're shooting it. Is as, Certainly from my perspective, as a sh- photographer like yourself, the same with your portraits, you know. If you don't bring something out of the person or show something or show the person in, in a light because of the relationship that you and they have together the picture's not going to have anything in it. And the same thing with your attention to detail and the light and the time of day and all the things you do to make a picture right and then choosing that, that decisive moment, you know, when the person walks in the frame from that side and walks in the frame from that side and the guy on the bike falls over in front of them. Do you know what I mean? That type of stuff. Yeah. And you make the picture. But that's because you've concentrated and you've, you've actually almost put those things into the picture yourself. Do you know what I mean? You're, you've waited for those things to be in the picture to make it work. But that's, that's your energy you're putting into it. So when I'm looking for a picture for something like this book, I'm looking for that in the picture. And in the editing process, that's what I'm trying to narrow it down to, the picture that's got all that energy in. Because when people look at it, they're going to look at that picture. And if I've got 130 pages in that book, I want them to spend at least 10, 15 minutes looking at the whole book. Yeah. So if you think about 10 minutes, okay, if you look, people look at magazine, flick, 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 you know, but when, I, when, when I, people open this book, I want them to go, right, okay, at least spend you know, 10 minutes looking through the book. So what's 10 minutes times 60? That's 600 seconds, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, 600 seconds, that's four, that's four seconds per picture at 130 pictures, mm. if my maths is right, you know, or something like that. So that's four seconds. So now if you can make somebody look at your picture for one second, that is actually a great achievement. 
if you can make somebody look at your picture for two seconds, that's a hundred percent improvement on one second. Yeah. So it's an even greater achievement. If you can make people look at your pictures for four seconds, you're either a great artist or you're extremely commercially viable. <laughs> okay. So if you think about this with your pictures, it's the same. And every time you're in a situation where you've, you've you're taking pictures, that's the potential that you're looking for. Is trying to make that picture to make people look at it either for its aesthetic value or for its commercial value. So how how are you filtering that? I mean, you're looking at what is basically the cream of of, of your work, mm. you know. And how are you, especially since you're so familiar with those images, mm. deciding between one and the other? Because one of the things that I see when I see a lot of other portfolios is I'll some of the common mistakes is I'll I'll see that there there's a lot of duplication. You know, yes. a lot yeah. of images are very similar to another. And as a result, the whole rhythm of the portfolio or the book um, gets thrown off. It just gets flat. It has some peaks yeah. at some moments, you know, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of it has come, comes down to not being able to sort of differentiate between mm. images that are similar. That's hanging on to, that's actually hanging on to a successful formula for one picture. It's like a band, you know, like a music band. Mm -hmm. They make one great track and the next thing is and it's great success. Then after it, all the following tracks will sound the same. <laughs> And but um, um, but it's the same with taking pictures, you, you, or you're or the same when you're editing your pictures. I call that safe editing. You know, not looking for something different in the shot. You know, not looking for something that's exciting about it. And um, um, uh, and the thing is with mine, there's so many elements of the picture. I mean, certain aspects of it may, this, may be the same. I mean, a double-page horizontal picture of a girl lying down. How many variations can you do on that? Right. <laughs> you know? uh -huh. um, um, the things that are changing are the circumstances, the model that you're working with, the hair and makeup, the style, and the hair and, and the environment you're shooting in. So there can be a picture that's very similar, but it's got a very different – it's very different because um, I, I actually – I had – three or four pictures or three pictures that I shot in Turkey that were nudes on the beach with rocks and stuff and things. And although there were aspects of them that were different, but they were all very, very similar and too similar to have on, on close pages. So what I did is I actually took two of them out and split the two out, the other two and put them up at, at extreme ends of the book. Mm -hmm. um, you'll probably see them when you go through it yourself. Well, they're very, very similar, you know. And, and so I've made that mistake like everybody else does, but it's in the process of doing a book, you've got time to sit and look at it and look at the layout and then go, does it work? Another thing I've actually done with the book, I've, actually, I've made it flow. So I've been picking the pictures sometimes on the basis of mechanical, you know, mechanical composition of the picture. Yeah. Left-hand page, the basics, left-hand page, right-hand page. You know, if I want a picture, if I want the picture on the left to be making a humorous comment about the picture on the right or a judgmental comment about the picture on the left, you know, the eye contact. I mean, I've got one picture of a girl lying, one shot of her naked, you know, and I actually flipped the picture around. This is going to sound a bit naughty, but it's 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 about making the it's about making it humorous. It's about making people look at the because one picture on a double page spread becomes sorry two pictures on a double page spread becomes one picture. They're looking at the two pictures and taking in the information from both of them together. Right. So I've got one picture of a girl sitting looking from the outside of the page to the inside of the page. And the picture that I chose for the right-hand page is actually another picture of her, but it's a nude body shot of her. But I turned her around, shot her, her, I mean, you can't see anything, you know, but her, she's looking at herself, you mm -hmm. know, from a perspective where she would be able to see all of her, you know, um, just to make it humorous, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because 
I've got another picture of an old gentleman. He's actually a very, very famous actor called David Gant. But he, and I've got a picture of him, but he's dressed in, an, you know, he's in a library with a with a, an old antique book and spectacles and stuff on. Yeah. And I've actually put a picture. I mean, I may have moved it. I can't remember. But I had him opposite a picture of a girl in a very, very erotic posture. You know. Um, but and he has that expression on his face. Now, without that other picture in the in, on the layout you wouldn't notice so much his expression. You know, you wouldn't be judgmental of him. You wouldn't be reading uh, what is he looking at, you know, and what is he thinking. Whereas by putting the picture next to it, you also get that aspect of, well, well, actually, he, that look on his face is actually very, it's like, hmm, my God, goodness gracious me, that girl, what is she doing? You yeah, know? you're making, you're making um, an association between exactly. the two of it, wasn't creating it? A, yeah. Creating a story around, there's a story in that picture and there's a story in that picture. But when you're putting the book together, you're making a, you're making a double story, you know? So that, that is a big part of it. So, but that's, again, coming back to this mechanical process. So you go through the mechanical process, and then when you've done the mechanical process, you then look at it again and say, well, does it achieve the emotional process? You mm-hmm. know? And swap them around. I mean, you know, if you can, if you give me 50 pictures and just put them together randomly, I can actually put those pictures in very, very quickly into an order that will actually make them, each double page spread look wonderful, you know, and then make the book flow because that's what you've got to do. You've got to create a flow through the book. You've got to have like impact at the first few pages and then it can, the book can settle down a little bit and then they've got to hit them again in the middle of the book and then let it settle down again and then at the end of the book hit them again you know, with your strongest images or with the strongest stories in the pictures so it's the same thing about a novel or a movie you've got to have a beginning a middle and an end you know so so there's all that part of the process to go through and and um i don't think you can actually create a formula for that you've got to do it and that's how that's how i do it. i sit there and think right okay which pictures am i looking for so i go through and and i don't actually go through and pick the pictures and go there the pictures for the book i start the process of making the book and then putting the pictures in to make them work together and then when i haven't when i'm stuck you know i can't find a picture for the right hand page and i need a picture there for the left hand page i'll then go looking again to find a picture that is a right hand page that makes sense. fits on that layout. Yeah, you start thinking about the relationships of the images and yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But I can't formularize it in bionics. You know, I can't say that it's um, you know, this is how you do it. <laughs> you know, I'm not. Uh, I mean, I probably could, but um, I don't. I won't be able to think of the words to say to write it down. Yeah. So how, how often would you revisit this? Because when you're doing a book like this, you really have to live with it for a while. It's not something that you can sit down and just knock out. So yeah. Um, Do you like it, by the way? Have you looked at oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I love it. It's really kind of okay. interesting, um, especially considering what we... I'm looking at it as we're talking here, and so it's it's giving me a really interesting perspective because I've known your images um, in a variety of different ways by looking them at online, uh, by the fashion book that you put out there, just looking just appreciating the, the singular images, but just you know seeing them through the filter of your eyes based on what we've talked about. It's really kind of really interesting. It's a life, yeah. Yeah, I actually sat down, I sat down on one morning and I'll tell you what actually happened. I, I was going to get, a, I was going to give a copy of my book to my, to Alex as a gift. He's a, a great photographer, a great artist, but doesn't do any pictures. It's terrible, you know? Um, um, and I thought I would give him a copy of the book. He'll probably hear this, but, um, and I, I thought, well, okay, I can put a book together and I can get it organized. I think I sat down and started to do it in time to be able to get it published in time to get a copy of it printed up to give to him as a Christmas present. 
Um, um, but actually by the time I looked at it and now I actually wasn't happy with it and then I wanted to change it and stuff and it wouldn't have been here in time for that so I actually shelved that idea and I bought him another book um, um, but I actually did sit down one morning and start it and I actually had finished it by the end of the day <laughs> so it wasn't that long drawn out process mm-hmm. but I, again but just knowing your pictures isn't it you know you've got a picture of your pictures in your mind so you can actually, although I didn't create a book in my head, you know, but you know your pictures. Um, and then you get to the point where you think, well, what else is going to fit there? And you start thinking of the pictures you've got, you know, and so you go looking for it. And that can sometimes be a real challenge because it's like I've got so many hard drives and so many pictures on so many places that I don't know where they are. Um, or I certainly don't know. I've certainly got small files of them, you know, that I've, you know like in uh, JPEG folders for everything, you know. Um, but to go back and to try to find the original raw files or the TIFF files for them can sometimes be a nightmare. And this is why I got to the point of then, right, now I'm going to go and find lots of new stuff that I haven't even looked at. So that's, that's, that's another part of the process, actually, is you, you start to look at the pictures that you actually haven't even looked at. I'm sure you've got many yourself. Oh, yeah. You know? Did you find that, that any um, or part of this process got to be sort of emotional for you? Uh, yes, it does, yes. Tell me about that. Uh, every person that I photograph I have a relationship with that actually that has different levels of, of closeness, you know? Closeness, both closeness as in people closeness and emotional closeness, biochemically closeness with people. Some, also, you have people that you've worked with in the past that you, that you perhaps, uh, this is coming back to this beginning when I started talking about the reasons why you start doing something like this. And, you know, the missed relationships, the lost relationships mm-hmm. or whatever. And you start thinking about some of the people that you met along the way that you think that, you know, um, and the relationship you actually had with them at the time. Because I, when I'm working, I actually have a, a, a series of switches in my mind, you know, a switch to switch the biochemistry off, you know, when you're working because you're sometimes in quite, you know, quite an intimate situation with somebody. So you have to turn that part off, you know, but you also have to keep another part of it on. And, and, um, and it's the same thing with the other aspects of it. You, you meet people that you perhaps could have had a relationship with and some people you think, well, why didn't I? You know, why didn't I sort of push that relationship further? Or why didn't I? Um, so there's that aspect of it. Um, there's also um, there's the bad parts of the memories as well come in. You know, sometimes you've been on a difficult shoot or being in a difficult time in your life and you re- remember it, you know. Uh, I wouldn't say actually it brought me to tears at any point in time, but it certainly has brought certainly brought home a lot of a lot of things. You know, I mean, a big part of the reasons why I do the pictures that I actually do is to understand the depth and the darkness and um, of the feminine sensuality and sexuality, and in the you know, to build my understanding of that. You know, also to to create a relationship between myself and my subject that I actually, and I want to see that relationship. I want to see adoration. I want to see the sensuality, but I want to see it directed at me, you know? Mm. So the process of actually doing this for my work is to encourage that look. But in reality, I want that for myself, you know, I want to see that and feel that in reality, you know? Um, but this is where my a lot of my energy has gone into learning process and the understanding of that process, and, and I've achieved so much of that in my pictures that I actually haven't achieved in my personal life. <laughs> yeah. So that aspect, that aspect of it, does bring 
does bring the tear in your eye or it does bring that sort of emotional thing that, you know, because um, that's something that's very important to me. And this is probably why I'm doing it because I'm actually looking for that relationship that actually has all of those, that, that stuff to it, you know. And it's not about a person being beautiful or having a perfect figure or having, uh, you know, a body shape of a certain kind. It's actually about that look in the eye, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that look in the eye in the picture can say everything, you know? Yeah, Absolutely but it's, it's the difference between 250th of a second and years. Yeah, you exactly. Know? It's, it's so easy to sort of capture that. Mm. Well, it's not easy, but, you know, that moment where, where each of you is, is in sync with each other, where yeah. there is that connection, where there's that respect, where there, there is, is it, just this... Uh, yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know, this and is it a tango or is it a waltz? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. and, and then trying to extend that into a relationship adds a whole bunch of things that are much more complicated that sometimes or can find themselves, find their way into a photograph. But, you know, wow, man, you've, you've created quite the conundrum for yourself. <laughs> well, actually, and it wasn't deliberate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. It wasn't, but actually, it's quite funny because I actually, if I... If I go back in time and I look back at early pictures, what I call were the beginning of this process. And I can see the, chronolo- the chronological order of the build-up of the understanding, or not so much build-up the understanding, but to build up the actual ability to change what was originally an idealism, you know, mm-hmm. and into actually being able to reflect the reality. Whereas what I'm actually photographing often the senses and the sensations and the sensuality become real, you know? And I can see this. And when I'm shooting, I'm in control of that. And actually, if I have the chemistry, if I have that sort of openness with my subject, it just flows. Yeah. It's like fantastic. And your photographs are a testament to how the more open you are, the more open you make yourself, the more... Yes. You know, the more you let your own guard down and you're willing to even look stupid in front of your subject, how yeah. that can elicit a vulnerability in them that shows up in the photograph. Yes. Yeah. Well, as you know, my, my, with my philosophy, not so much within, for teaching, but my philosophy you know, of, of attributes or my, you know, that I believe are essential to be certainly a photographer of people is you have to have this is a, I, I would like to talk about this actually for this because it's very I think it's very apparent and it's certainly very important with the within the pictures that we're, we're what you're looking at you know now um, um, but I'll talk basically about the five attributes that I think it takes to, to be a great image maker or a great creator of pictures of people and the first and most important one is the reason why you're doing it and the reason why you're doing it, I think, is the part of the that's the weird kid, you know? I mean, I put my hand up and, you know, I was the weird kid. I'm certainly the weird kid now and I always have been the weird kid. And, you know, different, unusual and um, and an essential thing that actually didn't, wasn't something that I actually thought about or wasn't something that I put any sort of great emphasis on. But somebody said to me a few weeks ago, um just in a conversation about something or other, I can't remember what I was actually saying or what the, it was in writing on a post. And she said that uh, you are a glorious empath. And I thought, okay, <laughs> I know what empath-ish means. It means it's about empathy for you know, other people's feelings and being able to feel other people's emotions and feel the energies that are being 
that are being ex- exuded, you know. Um, and it's actually a, it can be a great sense and it can also be a very, very difficult sense. But it's actually, I actually put all of the value of what I do comes from this empath, you know, from being an empath, which is a very feminine trait, you know, um, because you actually open yourself up, you know, and you show your feelings and you show your emotions. And I actually do show my feelings and I do show my emotions and I try and get feelings and emotions and stuff in the pictures, and the reasons why I need to do this is part of this process of building this understanding because when I was younger, I didn't have that, you know. There was a part of my things missing in my life, you know, and I couldn't quite grasp them, I couldn't quite understand. So my journey taking pictures has been about finding that and building that. What other people probably do in between the ages of 12 and 16, you know, mm-hmm. in that growing up part of things, you know, Um um, although I've been through the process, but I didn't understand it. And I still don't completely understand it all now. It's like a, still a big mystery to me. But my work has been the process of, of, of reading and learning and, and studying all of those things. And in that process, whether, whether the, empath, the um, um, I can't even say it, the empath process or part of it is something that's developed or it's something that's actually been a natural part of the insides of me, I don't know. Um, but it's certainly a very, very important factor. And this is why I take pictures. Why do you take pictures? You know, um, well, there's a long story. Some people take pictures because it gets them close to hot chicks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> some people take pictures because it's their destiny. Or some people take pictures because they love fashion. You know, <clears throat> Some people take pictures because they love buildings or they love... Oh, but there's somewhere inside you there's this thing that says, I need to do this. I cannot live without doing this. And I can't survive emotionally. I have no sense of value for myself. I have no income. I have no sense of, of the feeling of respect from other people. Um, this is another part of this process, which I'll actually I'll talk about in, in, a, in a little moment, because this is quite deep, Ibarionics, you know, because this is real. You know, This isn't about you know, being a successful fashion photographer and traveling the world and taking pictures of supermodels. This is about the reasons why you do it. <laughs> and that... <Yeah. coughs> First factor, you know, the why am I doing this? Why is it I need to do this? Is the most important factor. Um, the next one is your openness because you need to allow, you know, other people inside you, you know, and other people need to let you inside them. That girl Jess made a statement. Was it to you? Did she say it to you or did she say it to Sharon? Remember Sharon Hawking? Yeah, I remember Sharon, yeah. I think she said it to Sharon. Well, Jess said this, Jess said this because she was quite, I mean, when I first met Jess, she was very, She's very private and very, you know, I think she goes to church on Sunday, you know. I have nothing when we go to church on Sunday, but she was very, you know, very closed in that respect and quite proud. When I had her rolling around in the sand in the sea on Malibu Beach, you know, she said to Sharon, she said, that the, the feeling and, um, was wonderful and um, Bruce, a um, great thing about the way he directed me and the way we worked together <coughs> was because she didn't feel that she was being too overt, you know, she thought, she felt that um, uh, she could express herself and show herself or show parts of herself that she wouldn't necessarily show to other people. Mm-hmm. I don't mean physical parts, I mean emotional parts. Um, and that's that important channel, that's that openness. That's me seeking that, you know, seeking that, which I guess is part of the empathic, I can't say it, okay. <coughs> and my openness. <coughs> and that's the thing that allows them to... to to trust you. So the, you know, the weird kid, the reason why we need to take pictures, the openness, the next is the communication, directing and control. And 
the smallest part of it, although people put more emphasis on it, is this control side of it. You know, the equipment, the camera, you know, the lens, the, the type of flash kit you're using. They're using this or that or you know, this lens or that lens. None of that is important if you haven't got these other things. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. But the moment, everyone's put so much emphasis on this other stuff. Um, and I think also people don't learn to look at pictures for, for these other things. They don't look for that emotion and that reason behind, you know, why was that picture taken? I mean, uh, this is why they, the, your pictures become... They can become unimportant, but they actually are actually extremely important because I, I think I said it at the beginning, each single picture has such a story behind it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a good picture or not, <laughs> you know? The picture still has something in it. Well, this makes, this, you, this makes what I've witnessed make all the more sense. You know, because I—that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't make a great deal of sense to me. <laughs> no, it does. It does because it's it's because sometimes I think that that a lot of people who think of fashion photographers or portrait photographers think about that about the control about that the photographers in control of the subject of the lighting of the sometimes cameras too and the much control exactly exactly. But when I look at you, what you're doing, is that you 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 do have that control. But you are not making that sort of the dominant thing. You what, you what you're doing is you're, you, by the way that you're working with the people, the, the environment, the space that you create, you make it a safe place, not only for the model, but for yourself. So that awkward kid yes. that you that you were and probably still are, mm. find it a safe place to play. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's probably one of the very reasons why you get pulled back into doing this because it's it, mm-hmm. you're able to create this this environment where mm-hmm. rejection where fear where failure all of that stuff d- isn't as loaded as it typically is in every other aspect of our lives or mm-hmm. your life and then th- in that moment with the camera you're able to create this wonderful moment that you're sharing with someone and mm-hmm. the byproduct is a wonderful photograph and that's what people respond to. They respond to what's in what you, you they're looking at it and they're going, I can feel what was happening before, during, and after. And that's the beginning of the story, isn't it? That's, that's one picture. One two dimensional image has three immediate aspects to it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think um, without that, they can, you know, coming back to the, you, you're asking, you know, how do you make the decision as to which pictures to use? You know? And they're the basics of it. Is there, a before, a during, and an after in the picture. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes it's actually I mean, when you. Sometimes a picture actually when you. Although it can be a successful picture, as a visual picture, but it actually that it's not necessarily been achieved the objective in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, it just happens to be luck. <laughs> so how do you how do you maintain that mindset? Because I know that you know with any any photo shoot, there's so many things that can go wrong. Uh-huh. You know, yes, and, know. And, and that sort of mindset where you're keeping that sort of open playfulness, you mm. know, that, that sort of joyous energy there. And you're, con- and you're having to contend with the fact that, you know, someone's telling you you can't shoot here or something's going on with the equipment or the, or the strobe's not firing or whatever it is. All of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, all, all the clients giving you earache. <laughs> right, right. So all of that stuff. Can- all the clock. Or the clock. Yeah. Know, oh, tick, yeah. Tick, the clock. Tick, Absolutely. Fifty pictures in a day. What? So, how do you? How, what have you found that works for you, and to be able to maintain that that focus? Uh, Coffee yeah. and cigarettes. <laughs> 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 you, 
<laughs> a compulsory cigarette and a cup of coffee between every outfit shot. <laughs> so a 20-dress 20, 20 campaign is 20 cigarettes and 20 cups of coffee. No, I'm joking. It's... A, it, it's um, um, the, the union, we all have energy. Let's just say, for instance, we all carry 100% energy as being like 100% charged up. We start the day like our camera. We charge our cameras up. We charge our telephones up. We, we make sure we've got plugs for our power, for all of our kit, you know. But often what people forget is that actually during the daytime, I mean, we need our charge. We need our two charges. We need our physical energy and we need our emotional energy. If the physical energy is low, it's very, very hard to bring the emotional energy up. By the time you've got to the middle afternoon, you know, you obviously, you have the sugar hit, you have the chocolate, you have the coffee and stuff and things. But if you're emotionally drained, I mean, I've actually been on a few occasions where I've actually been so physically and emotionally drained that I've walked off set. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I've done it three times because of being in that emotional low. Mm-hmm. The energy we're putting into the pitches all day long. Okay, I'm feeding off the energy from the situation, from the situation being successful. It's like you're having a conversation with somebody. Oh, you get feedback. Oh, I'm interested in that. I'm oh, I'm also interested. I'm fascinated by that. And isn't that lovely? Isn't that bum 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 ding bum bum? And you have a wonderful conversation with somebody. You've got this good energy you're bringing together, you know. And the next person you talk to, you couldn't, you can't exchange two words. You want to get out of the way, you know, mm-hmm. um, because there's no either the other person's going to drain you, or doesn't feed, or doesn't give you anything, or you're not giving to them, or it's, it's, it's our own tangible energy levels. Now, when I'm shooting, when things are working out, and I'm in that situation where I, I could possibly get an amazing picture out of this, I'm excited by it. Um, and also, every time you've got a camera on your model, and a model in front of you, you've got your lighting, you've got beautiful dresses, you may have the opportunity to take that, I don't know how many iconic pictures photographers get to take in their life that become a picture that becomes not because of the king's new clothes iconic pictures. I'm talking about a picture that I have taken iconic pictures that are still, I still look at them today and think I haven't taken a picture as good as that in my whole life since. Mm-hmm. So, but that's the objective when you're taking pictures. I might be in that situation where I could get that picture. That could be, this next shoot could be, this next shot could be the, the, the picture that I, I, I thrive on for the rest of my life, you know? And I sometimes try to explain this to my subjects, especially when I'm getting not a lot of energy out of them. I said, well, you know, this, this picture could be that picture that makes you a big model, you know? Well, this picture could be the picture that actually gets you that part in that movie, you know? You just don't know. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. Maybe it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. But if you have someone you've recently discovered, I really would be interested in hearing, in hearing that. The biggest influence in my, in my, as a photographer for me, has been um, probably Richard Avedon. But Richard Avedon has been talked about a lot, you know. Um, and it may well be that one of the other photographers who I'd like, I think would actually be very good to talk about his work because I, I think he's been a successful photographer for a lot longer than I have. You know? And he's a really nice, nice, nice chap. And it's a guy called Michael Dax. D-A-S-X, but don't quote me. <laughs> I'll just the exact spelling. He's based in Paris. He's also a very good teacher. He, he's been teaching at several of the, the sort of really good schools of photography. 
Um, but he was um, producing pictures a long, long time ago, and I used to think, oh, I want to, you know, I want to shoot pictures like Michael Dax, you know. So there's a combination there of, you know, of he also has a very raw, a very raw sort of um, aspect to his work. Um, I wouldn't say he's been an influence on my work, you know. Um, he's been somebody I've admired because of his successes, you know, and I think he's a great photographer. But he also has this. Uh, looseness about his pictures that I actually would like in mine, but I am too much of a control freak, which is quite, which is, you know, sounds quite strange, but I, to get what I get in my pictures, I actually have to be a master of control at the same time. Um, so that combination of Richard Avedon and Michael Dax. Okay. Yeah. And Michael Dax is D-A-K-S. I just looked Right. Up. Okay. There you go. Sorry, so. Mike, if you're <laughs> listening to this, but uh, I'm terrible at spelling. That's why I take pictures. <laughs> And where can people go to find out more about you and your work? My work? Go to brucesmithphotographer.com. And they'll be able to find links to not only your work, but also the workshops and, and yeah, everything else a, that you do. A, I have got, I've got quite an interesting sort of process going on at the moment. I, I, um, because I teach classes, you know, and I've become semi, not reliant on it, but if so, I, I'm reliant on it for myself because I get a really, I, I get a lot out of teaching people. And, and I have a philosophy that if we are given a gift or a talent, um, it is only a gift from the universe and uh, it doesn't belong to us. And by sharing this, we gain the right to keep it for a little bit longer. So this is what teaching is all about, you know, sharing the gifts and the talents that you've had to help somebody else sort of, you know, achieve greatness or achieve their objectives and stuff with it. So um, teaching is very important to me. Um, so, but in the process of actually uh, keeping my teaching going, you have to be quite a marketeer. You have to think of new ideas and new ways of presenting stuff. You know? And I've made, I have lots of contacts and connections and stuff. And one of the most important factors for, as you know, as every photographer knows, is to become published. You know? Is to get their work published because it's our credibility. It's our, you know, we, we have now achieved something. We are now at least good enough to be published. Yeah. So I've created a relationship with an art director and I'm creative director of magazines and a few magazines um, that are willing to work together in the process of teaching um, and um, publishing the pictures that actually get shot during three classes that I'm actually running in the springtime through to the summertime next year. Um, so each person that actually comes on each of those workshops will have maybe three or uh, one, two, three, four, th at least three opportunities where their pictures might get published in a magazine. So oh, nice. as in a fashion story, as in, so it's specifically aimed at fashion photographers or maybe fine art nudes or a little bit more of an erotic fashion sort of hint to them to make it more exciting. I mean, everyday fashion is getting quite boring. So you have to add that little twist to it. So I've created these three little stories. The first one is Art Noir, which will be shot here at the Chateau in near Bordeaux. The second one is Sexy Boho Chic, which we're actually going to be doing in Ibiza. And the third one is Movie Stars at Play in Saint-Tropez, where we'll be staying on a beautiful yacht called Fortita for a week. And the whole team and stuff, and um, basically to give people the, the opportunity to experience what it's really like on a shoot production for a client. Um, and the pictures. At least, I'm sure each person that actually comes will get their pictures published. That's the objective, is to give people that opportunity. Or their pictures will be put in front of creative directors and art directors and fashion editors of magazines that will be prepared to publish if they've done a good enough job. So, um, so I've added that element to my classes 
um, to make them more exciting and make them more, more, um, more productive for people. So have a look at the different um, options that are available. There's a link from the main website from brucesmithphotographer.com to workshops. Just have a scout around. Um, go and have a look and if you have any questions about it or you want to just talk to me about taking pictures or always willing to speak to people and help them. And I do have a, um, a five-image critique that uh, people can send in with their registering on my newsletter. So if they want me to have a look at their pictures, yeah, portraiture to fashion to nudes to, to fine art, um, as long as there's people involved in it, I can generally sort of help people um, uh, or guide people or give them some you know, my thoughts about their pictures. So um, by all means, send me those five pictures and stuff. So um, add text to the baryonics that needs to be... to to untangle the words but uh, I think it's important that we do help other photographers when I was growing up I mean I didn't have anybody that you could sort of you know call on there were no courses and stuff to go on you know I mean, Barry Lattingham was my he was my un, what's the word for my unconscious mentor because he worked in a studio above me um, so uh, um, but having people to, to help you I think is a wonderful thing so uh, please you have to ask that's all well, Bruce, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, it's quite funny because only a matter of actually since you and I did our first um, first interview, which is way back in I think two thousand and four. Yeah, it's a was long it time. before my book? Was it before? Yeah, was, it was book? before the book. Yeah. Oh my god! It was in Gerd. Uh, was it in Redwood? Wasn't it in with, um, Better Photos? Yeah, I think. Yeah. God, it's so long ago. That's eleven years ago. Twelve years ago. I met somebody who was a specialist in in these things like ADHD and dyslexia and so on and so on. And she sat and explained to me one day that, uh, that I'm verbally dyslexic. <laughs> so if things come out the wrong way around, it's because of my dyslexia, not because I'm not trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great pleasure. Thanks again for joining me. Please remember that you do make a big difference in our show. Take the time today to write down a review in the iTunes store or make a small donation to the show. It all goes a long way. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.